0: Welcome to Overnight America with Ryan Recker on KMOX, sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts, michael'sflooringoutlet.com.
1: And welcome back. It's Overnight America. And this has been on our homepage at KMOX.com for the last day. And Larry King passing away at the age of 87. Sad to see that. Larry King definitely a legend in so many different ways i think when people think about the glory years of cnn they think larry king i think when people think of the decline of cnn they think of the post larry king i don't think that anything that we're seeing today is anywhere near the glory years of that television news network i should put news in quotes with uh, the announcement that came out it said with our profound sadness Aura media announced the death of our Co-founder, host, and friend Larry King, who passed away this morning at the age of 87 at Cedars-Sinai Medical Center in Los Angeles. Cause of death not revealed. 63 years he's been on TV and radio and digital media. He did all kinds of different interviews. Let me bring this up. I wanted to read this story one more time because I keep a copy of Charlie Brennan's Only in St. Louis book. And If you don't got this book, uh, you should check it out because there's great stories in here. Can I read you this one Excerpt from the book, and it has to do with Larry King and the potential of working at KMOX. Now, I don't know if you realize this about Larry, but he was actually offered a job here at KMOX, kind of. So let me read this to you. Broadcasting great Larry King was once offered a job at KMOX during a phone conversation with the radio station's late general manager, Robert Hyland. And this is a quote. That was one of the craziest phone conversations of my life, King remembered. There was no one like Robert Highland. It was 1984, and Jack Carney, a very popular broadcasting figure in St. Louis, had passed away. I was doing a national radio show. It had been on for five years and was very successful. I was also doing local television in Washington, D.C. Mr. Hyland called me and asked, Mr. King, who is your agent? Bob Wolf in Boston, King told Hyland. Wolf was a super agent whose clients also included Larry Bird and Julius Irving. He said to me, fine, you'll be part of the KMOX family in two weeks. King asked, what do you mean? <laughs> well, Hyland told me, you know, Jack Carney had passed away, and I think you're an outstanding personality. I'm going to call your agent, and we'll be back in touch. You'll be on the air every day from 10 a.m. until 2 in the afternoon, Monday through Friday. You'll love it here. He had no question in his mind that I was going to accept this. Now, when we turned it down, I got a call back from him. <laughs> said, you turned down the greatest radio station in the history of the planet. He said, you have made an error. You will never live down. It was unbelievable. King said, I never met a man who loved his station as much as Highland loved KMOX. Had I not had the good fortune of having a national show, I would have loved to work for him. Wow. Could you imagine? There's so many different storylines of how things could have changed over the years. Imagine if they extended an offer to Rush Limbaugh before New York did. You know, what if Rush Limbaugh was syndicated out of St. Louis here at KMOX? This was the station that he always wanted to work for, one of two radio stations. And being in Cape Girardeau, just down the road from us here, had a lot of exposure to great Cardinals broadcasts and the talents of KMOX's yesteryear. It's just really amazing, all things considered. This is a radio station that has such great reach. Mr. Highland, I just every time I learn things about him, it's really amazing. Little stories like that, the confidence that he had—that Larry King, and of course, no one would ever turn him down. Wow, isn't that something? I I've, I think about the opportunities that all broadcasters have in their lives and how that shapes the general industry. You know, what if Larry King decided to come to work for KMOX? He wouldn't have been able to do a show on CNN. What are that? What would that mean? Who who would have CNN turned to and something like that? Or would CNN have still turned to him and he would have left KMOX and he would have just been a brief blip on this radar? I don't know. I wish I had that chance to ask him. Uh, I've reached out to him a few times. I was really hoping that there would have been an opportunity to uh, interview him on this show and bring him on for some time. That never happened, unfortunately. Um, but. You never know. Maybe there'll be other untold stories of Larry King that come out in the next couple of days as people remember him, his unique interview style. He really had a one of a kind style to him. There, there was nothing else like it, really. Uh, and some people compared me to Larry King and the way that I talk to different guests that we have on. The one thing that I hold in common with Larry King is, and this is actually something that is not encouraged in the broadcast industry. When I have a guest on and I book them for an interview, I book them based on the idea of the interview. So I really don't know much about them as a person at all. Uh, it's not like I do a thorough background check on every single person that comes in. It's, it's okay. They represent this organization and they want to talk about this, or they wrote a book and this is what the book's about, or fill in the blank. They're on a, radio show and or the TV show and this is what how they can fit in or whatever and I get a lot of different ideas that are pitched to radio personalities and I like the smaller ones the ones that are unknown names mostly because they seem to be most passionate about the things that they write about and I book guests based on the topic and if it's something I find interesting and if I feel like I could ask them questions or if I'm curious about it, and I know Larry King was very similar. Larry King never really came into an interview scripted, he he didn't even read the books. I, he said that in interviews. I saw this earlier today. Nancy, as part of my Facebook video, the Facebook Live I do, mentioned that, yeah, Larry King was just like that. But just like um, some of these authors and any one of them, they'll send books through the mail and they'll say, here you go, I'll preview the book. You know, take some notes, jot some things down, get an idea for the subject matter, and then uh, it'll be you'll be prepared for the radio interview. Problem is, I don't have enough time in the day to read a book in order to prepare for a 15-minute or 30-minute interview or something like that. So when I book someone, I bring them on, and I, I would say 5% of the time I look at the book before I interview them, I'm mostly talking to them I mean 100% based on my curiosity of the subject matter and I'm not afraid to ask them things that are in that realm and for whatever reason that seems to work really well for me and it's not something that works for a lot of people Larry King it worked for him and it works for me I don't know for only two people in America that works for probably not but maybe that's the only similarity I have to Larry King I don't wear suspenders I do wear glasses now um I should probably be more like Larry King style. But either way, we lost a legend, a radio legend, a TV legend, Larry King passing away at the age of 87. Mm, he will be missed. Our friend Shane Hewitt, who hosts The Shift in Canada through Chorus Radio, we're going to join him in about 15, 17 minutes from now. A lot to get to with him, too. And I saw this, which is kind of fascinating. Facebook is responsible for 94% of of child sex abuse images, according to a US tech firm. That is just absolutely remarkable. So I wanna talk about that finding as well. Coming up on Overnight America KMOX. Now back to Overnight America on
0: KMOX. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring. The flooring experts.
1: MichaelsFlooringOutlet.com. I feel like if I wasn't part of a radio station That I wouldn't be on social media anymore, or I would be on it, but I wouldn't check it, or I wouldn't really bother with updating it. But I feel like this is just one of the easy ways to communicate with you, the listener. So if you hate social media and you hate Facebook and you hate Twitter, but you find yourself still on it, we can hate it together. You can find me, Ryan Wrecker Radio, on Facebook or on Twitter at Ryan Wrecker. And there's two stories here that has a tie in with this radio show because there's a couple of lawsuits out there. Uh, Let me uh, read this one. Facebook responsible for 94% of child sex abuse images reported by U.S. tech firms. That is being reported by Sky News. The second on the New York Post, Twitter refused to remove child porn because it didn't violate policies, according to a lawsuit. Now, with this second one on Twitter, the lawsuit that was filed, one of the... um, one of the plaintiffs, someone that's joined the lawsuit against Twitter and their legal representation are going to join me for a half hour on the show tomorrow to tell me just the horrifying, horrifying details of how it's how it is when you're sexually exploited on one of these social media networks. It is I mean, it is horrifying to think that some of these big tech companies are profiting and doing things that are making it difficult to remove these things on there. It is just, it makes, me, it makes me so uncomfortable and sick to think that there are all of these protections at these big tech companies that give them this opportunity to not only drag their feet, but then defend themselves to say, oh no, we don't need to take this down because you know, it doesn't, whatever. This is bad. This is bad news for everyone. So let's go back to that Sky News article. It said uh, Facebook responsible for 94% of the 69 million child sex abuse images reported by U.S. technology companies last year. 69 million images that were reported related to sexual abuse of minors. Mm. The figure emerged at uh, seven countries, including the U.K., published the statement Facebook had previously announced plans to fully encrypt communications in its messenger app. Uh, social media site said the changes are designed to improve user privacy on all of its platforms. Yeah, right. Uh, Don't you forget, remember how Facebook was a company that came out and said, hey, how about you upload a picture of yourself? And if that ever shows up anywhere, then we'll strike it down immediately. Yeah, why don't you send us dirty photos of yourself? They encourage that. Isn't that so strange? To think that these sites are being used to traffic this illegal content it's important to point out there have been many people that have said hey section 230 we really need to revisit this we really need to make sure that these social companies these these giant tech companies are being responsible on their own platforms because they've become just so giant it makes it easy for them to be irresponsible and you think about all the money that these companies are making Um, and there's a reason why they're making this much money Their, Of course, pure desire is to like any other company to make a profit, to do what they can. It doesn't mean that they would cut corners when it comes to things like this. It doesn't mean that they would be all into self-regulation. It doesn't mean that they would go out of their way to hire more people or do this or do that to, to try to keep this stuff sort of out of here. I mean, they have other lazy ways to do it oh, click a button and we'll finally get around to someone telling you we're not taking it down or whatever it is. They got ways of doing it. It's just not enough. And they're definitely powerful enough to do it. They they have to, they need the regulation in order to do it. And I would suggest what some of these other European countries have done, they have really made sure that the uh, consumer protections are in place so that these giant tech companies can't trample you over to the point where they are distributing, I mean, a lot of child sex abuse images. It is definitely a need. There is a definite need, a change that needs to be done here. Said some 16.9 million referrals were made by U.S. tech firms as part of the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. Last year, 69 million images of children being abused were reported. That's up 50%. The fact that it's up and it's continuing to grow and there's still problems with it goes to show you that these tech companies are not doing a good job self-regulating. Remove some of their protections and make them responsible for the things that are on there. I mean, we're not saying like, okay, they've, they've done a lot and still something slipped through. We're not talking about slipping through the crack stuff. We're talking about there's giant holes in the wall at this point And it, it's just flooding these giant tech companies and same thing with the new york post story twitter refused to remove child porn because it didn't violate policies according to this lawsuit filed northern district of california twitter made money off the clips showed a 13 year old engaged in sex acts in our uh, a form of child sexual abuse material or child porn the state states uh, the teen now 17 lives in florida identified as jane doe was between 13 and 14 years old when sex traffickers, posing as a 16-year-old female classmate, started chatting with him on Snapchat, the suit alleges. They exchanged nude photos, turned it into blackmail, posted these sexually graphic photos online, and then all of a sudden, um, Twitter said, we're not taking it down. This is not good. And it takes forever. Think about this. When you're in a compromising position like that, and you're vulnerable, and you're a child, you want, like, Fix this right now stuff, not, hey, drag your feet and let's put this on for weeks. It was reported December 25th. Finally, on January 28th, Twitter replied said they wouldn't take it down because the material didn't violate the rules. Maybe they didn't. Maybe they didn't think he was a minor. I don't know. So the lawsuit is filed, and we're actually going to talk to someone about this lawsuit, one of the uh, lawyers associated with it tomorrow on the show. I'm uh, looking forward to having them come on and tell their story. It is so disgusting. All right, our friends up in Canada, Shane Hewitt and the Late Shift, getting ready to hook up with them. Looking forward to that and a look at your weather coming up on Overnight America KMOX.
0: Want to find out the latest on Billiken's basketball? let's yes! go Bob Ramsey and Travis Ford preview the week ahead tonight at six on the Billikens Coaches Show, presented by Royal Banks, presented in cooperation with the Fieldhouse. I'm the voice of the Billikens, KMOX.
1: And here we are on Overnight America. Always a fun time on Sunday nights when we get to hook up with our friends in Canada. Shane Hewitt, who hosts the late shift there, may be listening to us right now.
0: KMOX in St. Louis. We're all wired up. Got it. The button's pushed. Is he there? Oh, there he is. Yes. You know, we were pretty close to
1: uh, high fiving each other right at the same time. It was very close.
0: (laughs) And that's all credit to Matt and your technical operator there who give us the timing. They tell us what to do. And uh, if we don't do it, it's a problem. And if we do it, it works. It's funny how that all happens.
1: I know. Well, you know, last week we were talking about the Keystone Pipeline. I had no idea how many people in Canada were upset about the Biden administration's decision to uh, cut back on that. So that is probably still a big thing because apparently our two uh, country leaders were supposed to talk about it. I don't know if they have yet or not.
0: Yeah, they did. They had a conversation. And in uh, true Canadian style, as our prime minister does, uh, he (laughs) he expressed his concern and Biden acknowledged his concern and they moved
1: on. (laughs) So So really, there is no chance, is there? It's like there's no chance of turning back at this point. And I guess this is something that Canadians are still very upset about when they get to voice their opinion. They're not happy that this is being cut off.
0: Well, no, it's a big deal, and it's it's a lot of the um, the the sales pitch about sort of anti-oil. There's two of them, actually. There's Enbridge Line 5, which is another one that goes through Minnesota, and it delivers an awful lot of products as well. And there's an awful lot of pushback there, too. So there's more than one target here. And the question is, I mean, America's worked hard to become somewhat energy efficient, right, and do a good job with that, and, yeah. um, and, and good for the economy for doing it. But the reality is, is that you know, there's so much, I mean, so much dirty oil in the world. And this is the perspective I think that I take is that, you know, there's so much dirty oil in the world that come from nations without human rights and rights for women and all kinds of stuff like that. And yet North America can be completely self-sufficient and have more to sell to the rest of the world. That is the most environmental product out there and it's getting better all the time. So you know, but no, you know, we get in our own way politically, I I would say down there. I don't know. But I would say down there and up here, we all get in our own way. And um and, and you know, those other countries keep selling their stuff. So it sucks because there's I don't know how many there's thousands of people lost their jobs the day that, oh, that yeah. was signed.
1: Immediately. So, and, and I yeah, remember in back in too, the. Right? Yeah. It, well, of course. And it, the, the repercussions of that. During a pandemic, when you're trying to get the unemployment rate down, it's already so high. But I remember back in the 2000s during the Bush administration when this topic would come up and the big opposition to it was that you might, you know, hurt some seals and, you know, it might disrupt. But they've moved away from that sort of thing, mostly because they just don't like the source of energy anymore. It's like they found another thing. And it's unfortunate. It's just terrible timing. And all things considered, this thing was not only good for jobs, But the energy independence, like you mentioned, as the United States started working on that, we wanted to find ways to not be reliant on, you know, foreign oil and, you know, go back into the 2000s. Reliance on foreign oil is something that uh, Bush was always criticized for. Like there was the running joke that, you know, they'll go start another war for their oil or whatever. We didn't have to worry about that anymore. And then here we are back at it again. They're going to try to force the hand for something that's not going to work, uh, at least in a mass scale. Yeah
0: and you would think that the, you think that we would have learned a lesson. Hey, like when we look at, uh, masks and when we look at, um, you know, ventilators and we look at all of these things, including these, uh, the viruses and the vaccines, right? You know, mm-hmm. there, there's no structure I know in Canada, um, to create the vaccine. There's all kinds of pharmaceutical research in Canada, but there, there just isn't. So when you look at even things like masks and PPE, we all had to in North America, mostly it's not perfect, like it, not everything, but rely on other countries in order to save our butt in this. And uh, you heard the stories out of America, and we heard them in Canada, too, that the stockpiles of PPE were either you know so old or not enough. And yet we had to rely on other countries to do it. and you if if that's not less than enough in this about, you know, um investing in, Canada, Canadians investing in Canada, Americans investing in America, and we're literally right next door. Car parts go back and forth so many times across the border from being created and put together and assembled, then getting put into cars. Like it's an absurd number of exchange times back and forth. And so, yeah, why can't they figure out this economy and, and make sure that it you know works for everybody? I, I, I just don't get it. Maybe I'm uh, too simplistic. It could be.
1: No, but it's nice that you guys are polite. So your prime minister, who has a <laughs> nice beard going right now, does, does his? How long has he been growing yeah. that for?
0: Through COVID, just before COVID, yeah. I think. Yeah, that's he's what he's known, a nice he's known for. Nice beard for go. being
1: handsome. That's about yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, he's known for being handsome. Well, he's known for other things. There's a few other things I remember. Uh, so the controversies, I guess. Socks. Oh. What he what he's known nice. for? Okay, I'll tell you everything I know about your prime minister. So his was his yeah, dad yeah. also a prime minister? He was. Yeah, it was dreadful. Okay. Okay, I'll try to tell you everything I know about him, and this is going to be sad because you know a lot more about American politics than I do uh, Canadian politics. I I understand the way your system works where you vote for parties and then the party has a leader and that puts that leader in. I understand that. That's very simplistic. Mm -hmm. The controversy of the blackface, I remember that, and the yearbook (laughs) photos and things or when he was a teacher. Um, Yeah. Any other controversies? I oh, the only other thing I know is that when he goes on the world stage, they like to show videos of him trying to get a handshake and no one <laughs> shakes his hand. Like they like they kind of like look the <laughs> other way. So he's kind of like shunned, as in looked at as a lower leader or something. It feels like they they kind of play that card to him. Um, let's see. I don't know. That's, that's about all that comes to mind right now. That's probably bad.
0: That's interesting. That's good. Yeah, yeah. He's a trust fund baby. Uh, Part time yeah. teacher. And uh, he was a (laughs) part-time drama teacher at that. Not that there's anything wrong with drama, but I just would think that it's maybe it's very fitting to become uh, president or prime minister if we look at the history of both of our countries and say that, hey, a drama teacher does a good job there, or at least uh, (laughs) tries to sell stuff.
1: Maybe he fits in nicely. Maybe we've got this all screwed up. Oh boy, well, that's that's all I know. I, I should probably know more about this sort of thing, but I, that's about where I'm at. Uh, you know, I have seen him on the world stage, you know, sometimes Oh, there was that one awkward handshake with Obama that one time. Do you remember they were like mm-hmm. they couldn't figure out how to do a three way handshake? I remember that um, it's, you know, weird <laughs> things like that come to mind when it comes to the the world leader. So how long is the term for Trudeau? Is, is How long many years?
0: Um. Well, it's typically four. Um, okay. typically now in this particular case though, we're in what's called a minority government. So mm-hmm. meaning that it's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like how your house and Senate works, right? There's a majority and they yeah. typically have the votes to get stuff done. Right. So mm-hmm. from that perspective, um, except in our parliament, when it's a minority government, if you get voted, a vote of non-confidence, meaning that you couldn't do the deal, uh, then they it will trigger an election. So, for example, he's been in for a little over a year in the second term as a minority leader. He was a majority leader before, minority leader this time. And it's possible, most people are expecting that it's going to trigger an election coming up here in the next 60 to 90 days because oh, wow. they'll do a non-confidence vote. So it forces, it's non, uh, minority governments are kind of good in that they force parties to work together. When you have all the votes, they just do what they want to do, Right. To the party line. But in this case, they've got to go do deals with other parties and say, well, here, how can we get enough votes to make sure that this works? Now, in this particular case, what it does is it puts the weakest party usually has the most power. There's some parties only have three, four seats, right? But if they only need three or four seats, they just got to go grease the palm of that party. And then they become the most powerful party to say yes or no in Canada. And they have next to no seats. So it's messed up that way.
1: Yeah. You know what that reminds me of is how they handle estates in Mexico when someone dies. Do you know how that works? No. Okay. so This is what it reminds me. So we have uh, some friends here in St. Louis. He grew up in Mexico, moved here, married, an American, lives here. Um, and our kids are friends. And my wife and her are friends. And I've been over and we visited. And I- I've asked him about this before. He said his dad, one of like eight kids, uh, he said, listen, in Mexico, that's normal. So... His dad died, which had been his grandpa. And it came time to figure out, okay, uh, who's who gets the house? And since there wasn't anything written or whatever it was, this is what happens. The government says, okay, you have to work it out among yourselves. So all of you eight kids decide. If you can't come to a conclusion, the government owns your house. So you better hurry Whoa. up, and you better figure out who, who wants this. So the uh, no one could uh, decide on splitting it or whatever it was. And eventually... Just out of okay, we don't want the government to have it. They ended up giving it to the one girl, the the one sister, and she's the one that inherited the house. But that's how the Mexican government works on those things. Now, when you explained how this works in in Canada, it's that if you can't get along, we're just gonna, you know what, we're just gonna, we're just gonna break it all up, and we're just gonna start over again.
0: Yeah. Wow, that's interesting. I had no idea that that was, um, that that was a thing. I've had a couple of text messages come in, Ryan, from the audience, uh, reminding you, uh, asking me to remind you of a couple of things. There was, yeah. uh, did you guys ever hear about the speaking moistly thing that happened <laughs> oh, up here? No. <laughs> all right. No. So, um, in the very beginning of COVID, he was doing a, a, a presser speech and he'd said, you know, we we'll all need to be careful and, and stop speaking moistly. And he stops as he says it and he goes, Oh, that's an image. Um, oh, but no. speaking moistly actually became a song. People turned it into a song, and uh, it was absolutely uh, quite remarkable. Um, that one sort of <laughs> hit YouTube. And then there was the We Charity. I don't know if you know the We Foundation down in America no, or global. do not. Um, they were like, uh, they would bring in, it's basically like a youth movement of creating change in the world. It was incredibly political, though. And they, um, <laughs> so they, they were going to give them like $900 billion dollars uh, $900 million, excuse me, to, um, to help out with summer jobs for students and everything in Canada. But then they found out that all of those approvals happened when Justin Trudeau's wife was being paid as a public speaker for we foundation. And so was his mother. And so was his brother. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> and, like he was the stinkiest of stinky. And, um, and so that's just one good example of some of the things that have gone on. In fact, so much. Oh, and it was terrible too because they were taking the money, and there was like this property arm of the organization, and they, they, um, you know, all of these things. Absolutely crazy. But oh
1: boy, it's um, it's uh,
0: yeah. So anyway, there you go. That's <laughs> our politics are awesome.
1: Yeah. Well, you probably heard here. Uh, so Joe Biden's son Hunter is also being investigated currently because of some dealings and how the money was. Uh, how the money was reported or not reported. And the question is, was any of that facilitated or did any of that money exchange hands through Joe Biden when he was vice president or even after. So there's a big investigation going on there too. other family members. It sounds like uh, politicians and family members go hand in hand when it comes to big contracts that are given out, or at least there's someone on a board somewhere or someone that's to benefit somewhere else. That's just common ground here in America. Um, I, I just, uh, that's that's something that hasn't really been released. They've been studying this for a while, I should say, investigating it for a while. It's just a matter of time, I think, before that one comes out. It doesn't sound like any of the investigation has been, uh, I guess, cut into since Biden has gotten into the White House. So there hasn't been any changes in it. We'll just have to see how it plays out.
0: It'd be interesting to see how that one plays out. I found the audio for Speaking Moistly. Can I play it for you? Sure. All right. Um, so this is our prime minister in Canada, and someone took his comments and turned it into a song. Wash our hands off to our elbows. These are the things, the things we know. We know. If people want to wear a mask,
1: that is okay. These are
0: the things, the things
1: we know. To prevent you from <laughs> speaking moist. <laughs>
0: Speaking
1: <laughs> anyway, uh, speaking moistly has become its own thing. Did he mean to say yeah. that? Or is that actual uh, an actual term?
0: No, it's not an actual term, and I think it was one, something that was written into a, into a speech that he didn't pre-read, and then he got to that part of the speech, and <laughs> or it was lost in translation, and he said, speaking moistly, and he was, you could, the look on his face was priceless, and he was like, oh, dear. <laughs> yeah. I, I just don't think it was proofed.
1: Yeah, uh, I, you know, I had a, a food stuff. story I was going to bring up to you, if that's strange or not strange, I don't know. Yeah, we well,
0: um, got about two minutes if you want to, Absolutely.
1: When when you were a kid, I don't know if this is something that's common in Canada or not, but when it was your birthday, were you allowed to pick out whatever cereal you wanted for your birthday? Uh, mm, no, we were pretty conservative on the cereal. Like It was usually just the basic Cheerios.
0: It was nothing real fancy.
1: Oh, man. my Me and my friends and anyone else, it was always the, hey, no veto. We'll let you pick whatever cereal you want for your birthday. Not like, you know, it's it's not like here they wrapped it for you and that was your present as a kid or whatever but i'm saying that they gave you the option to pick a cereal and I, i just wondered if that was something that was an american thing or if kids in canada growing up had that option from their parents on their birthday
0: well i i think that there was a lot of things like my parents used to do you know hey do you want um you know what do you want for breakfast today what do you want for dinner today so i'd say similar but not maybe my experience not just specifically cereal
1: Oh, it was great when you're a kid, any box of any cereal you want, go ahead, pick it out, kid, bring it back. It'll just be your box of cereal. It was a special thing because any other time of the year, no way my parents would ever let me get a box of cereal outside of the things they wanted to get naturally.
0: So what would you you get then? Would you go like, this is also going to date you slightly, so this is fun. What would you get?
1: Uh, Cracklin' Oat Brand, my favorite cereal. (laughs) Really? Hey, yeah. Oh, I love that stuff. And even to this day, you know, one, it always takes time. But eventually, as an adult, you grow up and realize that you're allowed to go out and buy whatever you want. So now I buy it for myself. It just took me, you know, uh, many years later to figure it out
0: uh that's that's funny i do that too and i you carry that old story with you you're walking through the store and you look at the the cinnamon toast crunch or something like that and you're like you're
1: like ah man yeah that's not good and then you're like who cares you like it just get the damn stuff (laughs) yeah get the cereal enjoy it and i saw that because of a tie-in with the movie ghostbusters they're bringing back that 80s cereal the ghostbusters cereal this summer oh no way Oh man, I love I don't that know if stuff. If we had
0: that down here, we should we should do a whole thing on chocolate bars because even our chocolate bars are different between Really? So yeah, right, we, have some, major? we have some chocolate candy. Yeah, like well, M and M's. You guys have an M's, M and M's. We have M and M's. We have a chocolate
1: version of that. It's called a Smartie. It's mind blowing. Wait, Smarties here See? are like a tart candy. You, they're, no, you're, they're chocolate no. in Canada.
0: Chocolate. Yeah, they're like oh, a, they're like they're like an M M&M, and M. Their own version of an M M&M and M chocolate. So
1: Things very cool. Well, I'll tell you what.
0: Let's add it to the, maybe that's why we can't figure out Keystone XL. We can't even get
1: chocolate bars, right? Let's talk
0: about it next week. Thanks, Ryan. It's great to hear your voice, man.
1: Uh, Shane, thank you so much. Have a great week. You too. Uh, That's our friend Shane Hewitt, who hosts the Late Shift up in Canada. I wanted to sneak in the food thing there. It's just a thing. I'm sure that people are listening right now. When you were a kid, did your parents let you pick out whatever box of cereal you wanted And only once a year you were allowed to do it. It was around your birthday. All right, your birthday cereal box, get whatever you want. I remember going to the grocery store and walking down the aisle and you had all the selection of cereals that your parents would never let you ever get. And then you got to pick out anything you wanted. And that's your cereal. What a thrill. I mean, you felt truly alive when you got to go home and you had a whole box of cereal, the one you picked out that was just for you. I mean, that made you feel special. I didn't really need much as a kid, honestly. That's all I needed to get me going. Oh, look at some of these text messages coming in about Larry King. That was cool. Um, Yeah, Johnny Rabbit, questions about him too. Will he be back on Saturday nights? Eventually, he'll be back, hopefully sooner than later. But yes, we hope to have him back here on X. And you know what? We'll have that interview. We'll replay it next hour. That was a great conversation. 314-436-7900. It's Overnight America KMOX.
0: This is Overnight America, sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts.
1: MichaelsFlooringOutlet.com on KMOX. This is so good. got a text message from a friend of mine, Pat, who's listening. And uh, when we were talking about cereals, Captain Crunch with Crunch Berries. Can I tell you a mean story? What I used to do when I was a kid. This, this is um, part of the psychological damage I'm sure I had on my sister. So when we were younger, we have a two year gap between us. And when my parents would get Captain Crunch with Crunch Berries, what I would do is I would eat all of the Captain Crunch and I would leave only the Crunch Berries in my bowl. So we'd be sitting there watching Saturday morning cartoons. or I'd be watching Pee Wee Herman or something like that. And what I would do is I'd eat all the yellow Captain Crunch. And then I would say, hey, look, look, mom and dad gave me all the crunch berries. (laughs) She would be so jealous. Why did you give him all the crunch berries? I thought I was so funny. And to this day, whenever I have Captain Crunch with crunch berries, I eat all the yellow parts first and I save all the crunch berries for last. It just became a habit. I don't know why it's like that. But two things to, uh, I guess, tie into the movie of Ghostbusters. They originally were going to put out that brand new Ghostbuster movie in the summer of 2020. COVID hit, and they said, oh, boy, people aren't going to the theater. So how about we save that for 2021? I think it's planning to come out June of 2021. It's called Ghostbusters Afterlife. When I was growing up, there was two movie franchises I enjoyed the most, Back to the Future and Ghostbusters, two were huge. Ghostbusters, the cartoon, was something I watched too. There was just, I mean, the toys. Ghostbusters did a lot of a better job when it came to toys. Back to the Future really didn't have toys. But it was an awesome movie. Still my favorite franchise and favorite movie of all time. But those uh, Ghostbusters, man, they knew how to make a dollar. So there's a couple of tie-ins to the movie that'll be happening. One is a Ghostbusters serial that'll be coming out, and it looks really good. It kind of looks like tricks i guess uh no no it looks like kicks you know those little kicks they're like round balls but these are red and they have marshmallows in there green and white ghosts so green being slimer and white ghost being the like the logo you know the ghostbusters logo ghost and they're going to be putting this out here i don't exactly know when it's going to be out yet no release date but it has popped up on some different websites they say it's similar to the 1980s Ghostbuster cereal box. I just don't know exactly what it'll taste like. I hope it tastes like the cereal from the 1980s. I am so looking forward to that. Cannot wait to give that a try. I'm going to go buy I'm not even going to wait for my birthday. I'm just going to go out and buy it. The other one is Hostess Twinkies. They're making a Twinkie with blue icing in the middle. Uh, so the blue, I see, I don't know where the blue comes in from. It's the blue filling because why not? But ghost, wouldn't it be red filling for Ghostbusters red? And But the white is kind of like the ghost. Wouldn't you want green like Slimer? Shouldn't you do green? It says Hostess unveiled Keyline Slime Twinkies in honor Ghostbusters in 2016. So I guess this one's going to be blue because they don't want to do the same thing. What a great time. Ghostbusters will sell out in a second, won't they? Talking about ways to spend your money. How about this one from CNBC? They did a write-up on Nicolas Cage and some of the things that he spent money on over the years. It says that Nicolas Cage was once a top earner in Hollywood, worth about $150 million, but he didn't hold on to his fortune for long. Uh, he owned 15 residences around the world, including homes in California Los Angeles and a deserted island in the Bahamas. Okay, Some of the things he bought, a nine-foot-tall burial tomb, an octopus, a shrunken pygmy head, a $150,000 Superman comic book, 70 million-year-old dinosaur skull, in which he later returned to the Mongolian government. Whoa. So he's got these castles. He's got all kinds of different properties around. Um, and all these things that he bought and held on to, None of some of them have retained value, some haven't. This one castle apparently... Is done pretty good. Cage went through a period where it says he was doing uh, meditating three times a day and reading philosophy books, and he found himself seeking out places that he studied about, kind of like what a real treasure hunter would do. He said he started uh, mythology, and he found properties that aligned with it. The Holy Grail quest, he said, put him in a search around different areas. In England, most places, he said that he would load up on real estate. Um, one castle he purchased in Europe, $2.3 million, and also a $10 million castle. He bought a countryside for $15.7 million in Newport, New uh, Rhode Island. How would you like to have so much money that you're going around just buying castles and things? You know what Nicolas Cage is mostly known for? Blowing his money and mismanaging his money like an NBA star. So he's out there running around buying these things. I'm sure there's value in them and he can sell them. I don't know what the real estate market looks right now, for a castle, but it's probably not great. And that Superman comic, yeah, sometimes they retain value, but a lot of times it's like going out and buying baseball cards, and you're like, oh, I'm going to buy all these cards up, and this will be great. And next thing you know, the bubble bursts, and these cards aren't worth anything. I think a lot of people ran into that with uh, baseball cards, and people are doing them now with, like, Pokemon cards and things. It's ridiculous. All right, but you know what? It's his money. He can do what he wants. He wants to buy Castle Congratulations to him. Do you see what Amazon came out with this weekend? They want to postpone a vote in Alabama, and I'll tell you why right after the break on KMOX.
0: Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we
1: conclusively. Sports. clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my word
0: Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed left 15 days qualifying unlocked device credit service ported. in 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months.